alone Restless Breakfast table in an otherwise empty room Young girl Violence Center of her own attention Don't call me daughter Not fair to the pictures kept will remind me. Don't call me daughter, not fair to. The pictures kept will remind me. Today we're joined by singer-songwriter Mike Mangione to talk about Pearl Jam. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Do you want to be real? Authentic? What does that even mean? Authenticity, when you see it in someone, is so attractive. But what happens when it, your authenticity and your genuineness is so attractive that it makes you really popular and successful. Now are you selling out? Does popularity somehow diminish your authenticity or the authenticity of the things that you create? Does fame and success somehow diminish the things that we love? And when the world seems crazy and we're all stressed out, how do we find some release and some peace in the midst of a world that sometimes can seem suffocating? And how do I find my way out of these dark places, dark relationships? Is there anywhere in this world that I can really find healing? These are all questions that come to us through the music of Pearl Jam. And so today, me and my new friend, Mike Mangione, singer-songwriter, are going to plumb the depths of some of these songs, these great songs from the 90s grunge era, and talk about what they have to do with our life and our walk of faith and how they can give us some insight. My name is Mike Tenney. I am a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching Catholic high school theology and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night. And now I'm blessed to speak to thousands of people and play music for thousands of people each year through various events all over the place and through this show, Pop Culture Catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music, movies, and shows where we dive into the music and the movies and the shows that you're plugged into. So then when we unplug and take out our earbuds and close down our tablets, we can go out in the real world and know God's love and live God's love and love the people in our lives better. So that's our promise for you by the end of this episode, that by the end, you're going to have some tangible ways to know God's love and live God's love in this world better. Plus, you'll probably also have a little bit better appreciation for the music of Pearl Jam. I want to welcome, well, first of all, before I welcome Mike again, I'm going to say thank you especially to our patrons who make this show possible uh, through their patronage at popculturecatechism.com and the Awakened Catholic app. And now I'd like to welcome to the show yeah. singer-songwriter Mike Mangione. Hey. Mike, how are you? I'm doing good. Welcome, man. Thank you. We're going to tap toes. Tap toes. <laughs> High five. That's a good way to start. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go right. Yeah, All right. right. I'll go That's good. Here. That's good. So, uh, Listeners, you can see here that we are not in uh, the. You've never you've never seen a show here before. Although it's the I'm biggest not, audience I've ever had, <laughs> biggest audience I've ever had. So we had a big event this morning with uh, Christopher West, who is on our YouTube episode and uh, runs the Theology of the Body Institute. He had an event last night here in Bowling Green, 
and then another event here, uh, and you can watch that on uh, Nick Delatore's The Awakened Catholic Show. We'll put that in the, the show notes. And you travel around with Christopher and do music yeah. with him at a number of events, and then you'll also have your own music career where yeah. you're a singer, being doing the singer-songwriter thing, living yeah. the dream all over the place. So uh, tell us a little bit yeah, about like, what you do. I like to say that Christopher talks at my, at my shows. Yeah, he does. And, <laughs> and he talks for a long time a long in time. between just one of my songs and they speak to, it's crazy the the audacity that he has <laughs> very excitedly yeah and i'm like dude bro chill they get the idea um That's awesome uh, so yeah tell so us tell us about uh, your your I'm, I'm career in music i'm a, a musician uh, i'm a dad and a husband and you always got to say that when you're yeah. speaking to a catholic a christian audience mm -hmm. or, it was, it's always Got to be your anchor, your big closer. Uh -huh. It's got to be how you lead off. Yeah, because it's a sign. If you, I like to put my family right in the middle, <laughs> so people don't know. Like, does he really? His family was right in the middle, dude. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. He said podcaster, and then he said husband, and then he said husband. I didn't even say it. I didn't even say it. mention my wife or my kids. He hasn't podcasted so. since. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a musician. I've been so all right. So I grew up in uh, Chicago, Illinois, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Started playing music out there. My mom got me into drums early on. My brother mm -hmm. played guitar. So we were like, you know, the white stripes before the white stripes. Mm -hmm. uh, we were the, the Manjoni stripes, <laughs> which didn't have a ring to it. So we went were, with... Were you Meg or Jack? I was, uh, I was Michael, and uh, okay. uh, he, was, he was Meg. <laughs> and um, anyway, so yeah, and then uh, eventually I ended up uh, in Milwaukee for school. Started playing a little bit around town. Moved out to Los Angeles. Took a stab at that whole scene. And then ended up living in a van for for two years, uh, just tra traveling the United States, playing shows, and eventually moved back to Milwaukee. Uh, linked up with Christopher, he became a fan of my music. I was I was then starting at like 2021, 20, getting into my faith mm -hmm. specifically through theology of the body. So uh, the work that he was doing was having an impact on me, and um, so we, we had this mutual, just real like appreciation for what each other was doing. And, and we, we really appreciated beauty and the transcendentals. And so we just thought, hey, should we try to link this up? Because yeah. it's, it's not, music doesn't have to be a break. It can be a, a resource to helping, um, you know, a point uh, marinate in, yeah. in, into the, into the, the meat. That's kind of grossed up. But anyway. <laughs> no, I like it. I so like that's what it. we started doing. That's and then awesome. I've been doing that uh, with him for about 15 years. And so I do a lot of co-creating with him and... Mm -hmm. No, but then I I do a lot of stuff, and then I have a band and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that I do. We'll put all that in the show notes. And so I saw Christopher West for the first time when I was in college back in the two thousands, and then to see, and then I've I've worked with him a couple times. He's been on my show on our YouTube episode. I've been on his show through the Theology of the Body Institute. Kind of gotten to know him a little bit, but I hadn't seen him speak live since like the early two thousands, mid two thousands, and to see him do his talk it used to just be like he stood up and gave a talk yeah and now it's like you guys have screens he's got a band. and he's got you he's got a band and like he's, it's the difference between yeah being a solo artist then all of a sudden you have a band that helps you realize something yeah and i feel like it it speaks like it really does speak to the heart like you guys have art and animations and and these these like that cool little cartoon you started off mm -hmm. with it was just it's really beautiful the way it, it speaks to your heart and and all different parts of you it's really like you talked about the transcendentals, truth, beauty, and goodness. Like it just it, it hits you in all those different places. So it was, it was really beautiful. It's such see. a it, it's um it's something that I think we've kind of lost is that that the importance of why wouldn't you go with beautiful color and texture mm -hmm. and 
when when there are so many other when there are other senses involved yeah it's the catholic way is to incorporate them exactly. don't get rid of candles and incense use the candles and yes. incense use the kneelers mm -hmm. get your body involved because all of that stuff makes the whole mm -hmm. otherwise we're just you know trying to go through a straw sometimes yeah and i, I think sometimes we people will criticize the media and when i say the media i mean i mean like the thing that you use to communicate so they'll say oh that music it, it that like gets in the way, you know, mm -hmm. it's a performance or they'll say, Oh, well, that, that icon or that picture of Jesus, like, Oh, you should just worship God. Like some, sometimes people kind of, I don't, I don't, I think it's kind of maybe a little snooty say <laughs> like, Oh, you don't really need that to experience God. But it's like, God made us with a body and senses to experience yeah. him in all these different ways. This taste and the sights. You don't and the need sound, forks so. to eat food, but it <laughs> certainly helps. Yeah. I Amen. Mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen, brother. And that's so if you're unfamiliar with the idea of the theology of the body, I recommend my episode with Christopher West um, talking about you two or the Awakened Catholic episode that we just uh, Awakened Catholic show with uh, Nick that we did or he did with Christopher this morning. But basically, it's the idea that God made our bodies good and not to be repressed, but also not to be exploited and used, but to be. Yeah, the physical means something. Yeah, the physical yeah. means something and to yeah, use them the way God intended. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, a whole different thing. Ooh. Let's talk about oh, Pearl Jam. Oh, Wisconsin. <laughs> so, um, so I've been meaning to have you on the show for a while, and we realized we were both going to be here at the same time. We figured, why not do it in the Awakened studio? Uh, and you said you wanted to talk about Pearl Jam. If you don't know who Pearl Jam is, they were founded in 1990, and they're one of the biggest rock bands of all time. Um, and along with Nirvana, they really kickstarted the grunge age of the 90s, which was a huge cultural turning point because the 80s had kind of been hair bands all over the place. And Nirvana and Pearl Jam took us back to this place where rock and roll is not just about, you know, girls and guitar solos and fancy hair and makeup and kind of, uh, there was a lot of show and not a lot of substance i think a lot of people yeah. would say in the in, in 80s rock and roll and they took really took it back to like no we're here about the poetry we're here about the art you know bob dylan not kiss you know and mm -hmm. uh that was now they've sold 85 million records they've had a couple grammys 15 grammy nominations they've been inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame their lead singer eddie vetter is generally considered one of the best songwriters ever he's done the film scores and all sorts of things now um so what do, what do you love about pearl jam tell me about your story with pearl jam my story with pearl jam so what's neat about pearl jam for me is that um it's it i was with them from the very beginning mm. so Growing up the youngest in my family, a lot was handed to me. Um, you know, I, I, Prince, I loved Prince. I loved U2. I loved Guns N' Roses. Yes. I loved Dylan. I loved Marley, you know. But all of that stuff was given to me by my brothers. Mm -hmm. Pearl Jam, I, you know, let's see, I, I'm 43. So uh, in 1990, you know, w when, when that was coming out, I was junior high, mm -hmm. high school, and... So I latched on quick. And I think the thing for me was <clears throat> I always used music uh, um, very, it was a very important thing for me at a very early age. Uh, I, I had very, I had few bands that were just more ear candy or bubble gum to me. All bands that I invested my time into were bands that took me places that I had a hard time describing. Mm. And so I would latch onto these bands as a way to help me out of my my little space into a bigger conversation that felt like home to me yeah and was like leading me to understand where the home who am i what am i where am i going all happened in that conversation and, and so pearl jam did that for you well bands um 
bands at the time were there were other bands that were doing that, but um, the production didn't match the the um, sincerity uh, and the anguish of the questions. Interesting. I thought that the production was uh, was just a lot more light, a lot more uh, produced, compressed, glossy. Mm. Um, the delivery was more of a, um, a um, delivery in a um, like delivery in how people would perform is more of a perfectionist way rather than gotcha. um, something that that comes from you know everything was glossed over everything was synth you know mm -hmm. everything was, had had uh, like technology was involved and what tech, what does technology do it makes things more perfect yeah all right mm -hmm. so so like drum machines that keep the tempo yeah. perfectly synths <clears throat> that are perfectly in tune yeah and yeah. I, I think today we'd probably say like auto tune where all the vocals are perfectly tuned and all yeah. the harmonies are computer generated but it was a search of a, a search of um search of a whole that I felt like the music in that time period that matches this this these characteristics, because they were searching for the specific hole, they were losing sight of the source, mm. and therefore the the intention of the songs when they were speaking of subject matters that were a little bit darker yeah. didn't sell it for me. Yeah. It was like a, a uh, um, it was like a, uh, as Shia LaBeouf said, it's, some Christians are like car salesmen. It had that like sincerity of a, a car salesman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. When Pearl Jam came out and and Nirvana, that really uh, Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam kicked the door open. Nirvana mm -hmm. took it deep into the room. I yeah. feel, mm -hmm. and uh, it was all of a sudden the intention of the 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 narrative matched the performance, mm -hmm. and it was believable. Yeah, and I was like, you know, when I was angry, was I gonna, like put out and like, oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna walk outside. I'm gonna blast. Girls, girls, girls. My mom was like, no. Like, all of a sudden, you got a band that's like, just kicks the door open. And yeah. Like, all right, here yeah. we go. Pearl, and I feel like just Eddie Vedder's face, like their, their first music video, Jeremy, if you watch it, like just the emotion on his face, it's like, you believe he's a little bit crazy. Yeah, you it, know? it's sincere, authentic, mm -hmm. authentic for sure. How's it go? Write this, Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah, hit those ones, yeah. <laughs> At home drawing pictures of mountain tops with the on top. I'm not doing the rhythm. I can't play the rhythm and sing it at the same time, but uh, yeah. arms raised in a V. Those are two good guitarists. So. Yeah, Stone Gossard and Mike McCready. McCready yeah. So good, yeah. And uh, so I feel like you said something about like it was so compressed. So for those of you who are non-musicians, compression is an effect you can put on something to make like the loud's quieter and the quieter's loud. So if I whisper into a microphone or yell into a microphone, it's the same volume coming through. Yeah. And while that works really well for, um, it enables you to get more volume out of the track. So yeah. If you listen to uh -huh. '80s music; it's a lot louder. Yeah. But if you listen to anything like a Ray Lamontagne record, mm -hmm. it's gonna be not you're not gonna be able to get it as loud, but it's gonna be broader. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be more horizontal. When you were singing last night, I was thinking you you channel a lot of Ray Lamontagne. Yeah, yeah. I respect yeah. the man. Yeah. But anyway, what I was what I was saying about compression is it it does make it sound like real nice, and it kind of can even out of voice if you don't have great like breath support to have some compression on it makes your voice sound a little stronger and more even but it does make it a little less natural mm -hmm. and when you hear a band live or they record the track with less compression on it when they yell it gets louder you know yeah. and when they whisper it gets quiet and you can hear Eddie Vedder's voice in the music like it, it has a little bit less compression like there's times when he's you know like yeah. that or he's quiet and you just kind of talking into the mic and those an know. image for it is like a paintbrush Mm. You get a brand new paintbrush, the paint goes on completely flat mm -hmm. and full. 
But over time, the paintbrush clumps, mm -hmm. and the streaks become less and less. They yeah. become more clumped. That clump is like your characteristics of your voice, yeah. you know? Uh -huh. And the, I feel like compression sometimes can just whitewash those characteristics. Yeah. And for I, all of you that really care about this yeah. conversation, <laughs> well, I, feel, I just I feel went like, a little further for you. Well, I want to decode it for the non-musicians. I don't. <laughs> well, because you're... talk about... Uh, I'm sorry. You're right about that kind of authenticity and that sincerity, that kind of anti-rock star mentality. There's a, a famous... A live video of Pearl Jam playing and normally at a rock show all the lights in the audience are off and then all the lights are on the stage but when you're recording something for like a live concert they tend to leave the lights in the house on the audience on so then they can film people's reactions and they can film people yelling and singing but he comes on stage he's like what the f is this turn these f and lights off this is a rock show <laughs> you know yeah. and after the jeremy video they didn't do a music video for five years mm -hmm. because they thought that's like it, it's like making even... it's like making a movie of a book you take you yeah. take away the listener's ability to create the image in their mind and so they really they didn't want to do photo shoots they really had this kind of anti-rock star mentality that led so, to that authenticity yeah yeah well and and i, I get it like one kind of fun note when i went to marquette where i went to university oh nice um that's where um even flow i think was filmed at that mm -hmm. theater there oh, cool and so every time i'd walk by i'd always be like oh man you know i used to like touch the door handle that like, you know anyway um but uh, to your point, to the point about turning the lights off and to, to who Eddie Vedder is, you know, because for him, I think like other artists like, you know, um, uh, Alex Ebert or like Tom Waits or these guys that really enter into their performances uh, or like Ryan Adams, like if they can't sincerely go into it, they mm -hmm. don't want to have any part of it. Yeah, because it's not it's it's not for them. It's not about licking the stamps and just mailing it in. Mm -hmm. It's about. Uh, going to that place to show you a real picture of something they saw. Yeah. You know, they care mm -hmm. about the picture. Mm -hmm. And if the frame's not right, mm -hmm. you know, if the frames are all right, it doesn't matter what the picture is, it's not going to be good, mm -hmm. right? So the lights just help set up the feeling. And I get that. But to your point, to, or to the original, original question way in the beginning, I just loved that he was, he, he meant it. He was authentic. Yeah. He didn't have outfits. He just walked out with the, bas the, mm -hmm. the baseball cap and the, the little, you know, the denim jacket and just got angry and shook his head. And I was like, yeah. that guy's cool, man. He's super he's like, cool. He's letting us into something. Yeah. That, whereas he wasn't doing the, you know, David Lee Roth, like, mm -hmm. like hopping, that yeah. Roth hop. Yeah, he doesn't, ha he's not no. like striking a pose no. so like the photographer can get a good no, shot of him. He's but in. like, if you watch, the, especially those early, like 23-year-old Eddie Vedder, 25-year-old Eddie Vedder, like he's electric and you can just feel like the rage coming off him. Yeah, he was angry. <laughs> yeah, and... um I've also heard that they take incredible care with their set lists so that like when they're playing in Chicago, Eddie Vedder the night before will look through all the other times they've played in Chicago and look through their set list and be like, what songs have we never played in Chicago? Yeah. And they make sure they play those songs so that their fans who come to all their shows when they're in their city, they get a different show every time. They, they, they take such care for their fans. Yeah. They had a time period where they're brushing shoulders with the dead and they realized around that period that you mean the Grateful Dead? Yeah, the Grateful yeah. Dead. Mm -hmm. That that if you don't have that connection with your fan base, you don't have anything. Yeah. Because the moment it doesn't become about that, mm -hmm. you're now look what happens. You're you're changing your songs. You're you're changing mm -hmm. your identity to appeal to something that is more important to you. Yep. So exactly. I think like right around that time is when they weren't doing singles. They weren't mm -hmm. really. It, it wasn't about that. But there was still 
selling out amphitheaters. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. who and else they still does are, They still are in 2023. With, yeah. like, zero support. Yeah. I mean, now they're getting to that point where they're more of, like, they're a legacy act, yeah. so there's that whole element. But how do you do, who else does that? Grateful Dead, Fish, yeah. um, I mean, Jimmy Buffett, yeah. you know, like, I live To some extent, Dave Matthews now. Absolutely, Dave there. Matthews, yeah. you know, so um, that means something, mm-hmm. because it's all fan-oriented. So the, the songs about, you were talking about uh, the, 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 the singles, on the, like their third album, their single was "Corduroy," which is the uh, uh, the the waiting drove oh, yeah. me mad. Um, I don't want to take what you can't give. Yeah. I would rather starve than eat your bread. Um, that they buried that song like fifth on the record. You know, yeah. and back in the land, back in the time of CDs. Sorry for you, for you, uh, Gen Z people. We have to decode. Uh, you know, it was important on the, where on the record your yeah, single se- fell. It's sequencing, yeah, and sequencing. Want to be first, second, or third? Something, yeah, because it's it's a you're assuming that the listeners are listening from start to finish. So you're you're laying out the experience. Yeah, so and also important. and also if they don't like the first few songs, they're probably not going to listen to the rest right. of the album. So you kind of got to front load your singles at the front of the album, and they intentionally put Corduroy and their other songs that they thought were going to be their singles like sixth on the album mm. because they're like we're not doing the rock star thing. We're we're going to do the opposite of that. We want you to listen to our deep cuts before you get to the singles. You know. You know what though? Like not to turn it on me, but there was a mm-hmm. there was a record um, that I did where. Well, I can't remember which record it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But like where where the discussion came up, like which one do we lead off with? And everybody was kind of leaning in. And I had my favorite song. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you know what? Forget that. I'm doing this song because if they don't like this song, mm-hmm. I don't want them to listen. Because <laughs> it's just like, this is the coolest song in my uh-huh. opinion. So I can see that. Yeah, like, you know, it's not about the glimmer. Well, and so quarter. Although those hits do help them do what they, I mean. Yeah, it does help. It buys their house. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's not. If I could, if I could plop out some hits, I would. Mm-hmm. I heard the, the uh, John Popper from Blues Traveler one time. They, I heard somebody ask him, "Do you ever get tired of playing like uh, run playing around. Run Around or Hook?" And he's like, "That song bought me a house. I will play it every night." That's, <laughs> that, he's he's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so the song "Corduroy," the, it's named after one of his like sweater or something Eddie Vedder had. He had like this corduroy sweater, or if, corduroy shirt. If he had a corduroy sweater. I don't know what I it, was. See it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like a blazer or a jacket. I think it was a jacket. I think it was a yeah. corduroy jacket. Probably. And he saw, uh, and he got it in like a thrift store. And then he saw it was in a store, one that was like modeled after his, and it was selling for like 80, 90 bucks. And it just made him so mad that he's become like this rock star and is like, this is not what it's about. And so he wrote this whole song about corduroy. And I think this will help us get into some of the gospel themes of why is it that our, our, our culture, like, is always chasing authenticity as cool. It's always chasing cool. And it's, it's always trying to like sell, sell you something like sell you authenticity. And um, I guess just as an artist, I wanted to ask you, like, how do you, how do you play that balance of like, I want to be true to my myself and I want to authentically like, be myself but also like i have to kind of play to a crowd you know because the crowd pays the bills like how do i how do i how do i be authentic in that way and i think i think all of us struggle with that whether we're musicians or not but i don't know do you have any do you have any thoughts on that how do you how do you keep it real mike how do i keep it real um well i don't sacrifice the authenticity Mm -hmm. even if the crowd i mean if you listen to any of my music um i'm not too concerned about uh the crowd Mm -hmm. like 
the crowd that's not into what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more, but I think <laughs> what's more important to me is why I'm doing music, and it's because I'm trying to have a communication with something bigger than myself. Mm. And in order to do that, you need to, if you're going to go into communion, you need to be naked. And in order to be naked, you need to be authentic. In order to, say that again, in order to have communion, you need to be naked. Yeah, if you're going to go into communion, Mm -hmm. wow. You need to be naked. All right. You so can't, you're doing you can't some, commune. You can't. This is theology of the Bible. I mean, you can't. The common creating a common union between two things. So, is becoming, so let, yeah. let's let's unpack that for people. All right. Because you're not walking on the stage actually naked, right? You're wearing you're wearing clothes. You're nicely well, dressed. You got I like if your I'm shoes. With the chili peppers. <laughs> assuming naked. assuming you're not the red hot chili peppers in your underwear. Um, so sock. what what does it what does it mean for you to go on stage, quote unquote, naked? What it means for me to go on stage naked means that the place in which I wrote this song, the reason in which I worked the song, what I was trying to communicate in this song is just right fresh there in me so that I can present it to you in a way that gets me out of the way. Mm. The intention for me is to, to bring you into a conversation that I'm trying to have with God. And if I'm doing my job right, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with where you're now looking. Mm-hmm. If it has, if I make the work that I do about the materials, mm-hmm. it starts and stops with the material, then I am, I am an idol. Mm-hmm. I am nothing beyond the parts that I am. Mm-hmm. But if I use the, the ability that I have and the skill set that I have to create something that points you to something bigger, then I'm an icon. Yeah. And so authenticity comes out of the sincere desire to want to use your gifts to, re, to, to enter into that, to reveal something bigger than the parts. And that, so how do you do that? How do you do that is to always be aware that that is what you're trying to do. Yeah. And there's little things you can do, but... Um, for me, mainly, it's uh, I see performance as prayer, mm. because I and I, it doesn't mean I 100 percent of the time it's perfect, mm-hmm. but it does mean that 100 percent of the time I'm trying, yeah, even uh-huh. when it's not perfect. So, so I think I think like that, that, that for, anyways. But Pearl Jam has always for me kind of been one of those bands that I feel like um, was authentically trying to bring you into that conversation. Yeah. And so anything that got made it about anything else, mm-hmm. corduroy jackets, uh, uh, ticket price, mm-hmm. ticket master. Yep. <clears throat> remove it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty biblical. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think there's a, a way in which we could, we could see that. And probably Eddie Vedder would say it, it's a, it's a kind of prayer, you know, kind of, kind of in a, in a, in a, a non-explicitly Christian sense, but he's trying to commune with something higher. It's um, as authentic, though. Yeah, just as authentic. That's the thing. It's like you, you have to honor that. And yeah. I think that's why, you know, I had the experience when I was getting into my faith where um, people were kind of the whole conversation of, well, when I threw away all my old music and I had this new, it's like, Mm-hmm. throw away your old music like my mm-hmm. faith explained my old music. yes me too why me would too. i throw that away yeah. i finally understand it whether they and it's like the artist doesn't have to know if the artist is authentically going into a conversation mm-hmm. with something bigger than themselves yeah. doesn't matter 
what their formation is, mm -hmm. it's going to be universal because yeah. that's what we're here to do. Yeah, and I, I think for, for some, I could see like maybe if you were into music that had a lot of like raunchy lyrics, it was all about drugs and that was something you struggled with and it kind of drew you back into that. Like I could see saying like, all right, I got to stop listening to- But what's the intention of the artist? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But it's like if I gotta, I gotta, if I'm living a lustful lifestyle or uh, doing a lot of drugs or drinking a lot or a partying lifestyle, maybe I gotta stop listening to Cardi B for a little bit, you know. And and listening to all that Christian music can really help me. But my my experience, so I've known people like that, but my experience is much more like you, where yeah. I was fan, I was a fan of, you know, Green Day and Pearl Jam and a lot of these bands that maybe if you looked at them, they're not living a real Christian life or have a real Christian message. But once I got to know Jesus, and now it's like, oh, that's what Eddie Vedder's singing about. He yeah, might not know well, it, but that's life, the cry of his heart. You life know? is messy, you yeah. Know? Like uh -huh. these people, uh, you're going back to the difference between the artist and and it's, it's the intention of the artist. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, what's the difference between the Sistine Chapel and pornography? Mm -hmm. What's the intention of the artist? Yeah. Where are they trying to bring you? Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, it, you know, you can have artists like like artists like Dylan. Artists like Van Morrison, these are artists that are really trying to tap into mm -hmm. something bigger. Yeah. And so, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, gosh, you know, hearing some of the things that Catholics say when when you give somebody who's not Catholic praise, mm. like the fact that, you know, like, yeah, you can still have good intentions and connect yeah. and, and can commune with the Lord despite uh, your vocabulary. Yeah, I think of I think of artists belief. like like gangster rap we would generally say you know talking about violence and killing people you know that's that's not good christian music but even even there like when there's an artist like tupac you know who like there's there's something he's searching for that's deeper um or a, a modern hip-hop artist who i'm really into toby Uigwe, is like he talks about guns in a lot of his songs but it's there's also like a deep spirituality and so the you don't have to be like the lyrics don't have to be like perfect you know in line with christianity but you can you can see through to their heart you know and yeah. I, I think that's very scriptural like I'll look through look through the heroes of the old testament and the new testament i'll tell you what i'll tell There's you lots what. of imperfect people so. if you can find the wheat in those songs mm -hmm. it's going to help how you view the world when you leave explain that how, well find the wheat in those songs yeah if you can find if like you're talking about not allowing certain language to d to distract you from the intention and, and the message mm -hmm. And I agree. If so, what I'm saying is, if you can find those qualities mm -hmm. of positive, the positive qualities of what people are putting out in their life, mm -hmm. and you focus on the positive qualities, mm -hmm. and you can see that you can begin loving that individual for their dignity and who they are, rather than judging them for who they're not. And right? that's that's the wheat. That's, that's the like wheat. The gold. So that's what, the wheat. You need to see the wheat. As so opposed to like the, the weeds. Is that the, that the other to, side? As opposed to immediately seeing everything that they are that you don't agree with. Yeah. Okay. See the things, the beautiful things in them. See their dignity, and you start from there, and then mm -hmm. you have a, then you have a conversation. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, with with if you're able to do that with yeah. songs, if you're able to listen to an old song and say, "Oh my gosh, I used to think this song." Like if you listen, he's talking about like being intimate with this woman, and I thought this was so racy. But if you listen, you actually hear it, it's a window into his heart. Mm. He's actually crying out for for God. Yeah, you know, he's th this is a window into the human condition right here. Mm -hmm. It's revealing something about our Creator because yeah. that intention of the artist was sincere. Mm -hmm. They sincerely had these feelings towards their woman and towards his woman, and were able to communicate it in a way that was authentic. Yeah, but we can actually see well what your source is. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you can see that yeah. in the songs. 
then when you leave the wherever you're listening to music and you can see the world that way, yeah. I'd say you're a better person. Well, and I think if you can see yourself that way and if you can see other people that way, if I can, if I can find the wheat in other people's interactions with me and say, oh, well, you know, they were really rude to me or they were really self-serving, but it's like, what is, what is, what is their intention? What are they really trying to go for? It can help me love my brothers and sisters better if I can have that same, those same glasses or goggles to be able to see the wheat within what they're doing. Right. I, I want to go back to what you were saying about being naked is a necessary requirement for achieving communion, for having real intimacy, because I think you were talking about it as an artist, but I think that applies to lots of areas of our life is how often have I tried to get somebody to like me? How have I, often have I tried to, to please someone by kind of not really being authentic right. to myself? And not, not that you can't you know, do things not, that are nice for people or you, know, you can act a little more polite in one situation than, an, than, than another, but I think probably so many of us have been in relationships with family members or friends or romantic relationships where we felt like we had to stifle a real precious part of ourselves to get that person to like me, mm -hmm. or I had, I had to act in a certain way for that person to approve of me. And it's not, it's not our job to get other people to like us. You know? I, I, I've, <laughs> I've been married for 17 years and I still struggle with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I struggle with that with my kids. Like, how, do they like, what do my kids think about me? It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, so, and, and because of that, as a result, is you repeat up, put up these facades, these mm -hmm. masks. And, you know, I think that we can do that with, with art. How is this gonna be interpreted? Mm -hmm. What if I said it, you know, like, I think it's important to be aware of how the artifact is coming across, but do yeah. it from the place of inspiration. Don't do it from a place of judgment. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, so. and I, I think when I, th so I think about what you were just saying, like with my wife, with my kids, like taking off those masks and trying to be vulnerable and trying to be my authentic self, but then also being non-judgmental enough and a safe enough person that they can do that around me. And only I, way it works. The only way it works. Yeah, and I, so, and, and I think that's what Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam do through their music is they're taking down their mask and being authentic. And then that's why we, you and I resonate with it when we hear right. the waiting drove me mad. Like we associate with that, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and then, so, so, you know, in TOB, I, you know, it's all about the, the receptivity, the, the, the giving of a gift and receiving a gift. Theology it's like, of the body. Yeah, the theology of the body. It's like that um, with, with, you know, if you're going to be vulnerable, uh, and if you're going to want somebody to, to tenderly take care of you in your vulnerability, mm -hmm. uh, because that's what's necessary, then you're going to have to do the same thing for them. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's that cyclical relationship. And I think that, you know, it'd be, it'd be weird if Pearl Jam was one of those bands that, um, you know, would would be like that, and then get off stage and just be in far, bar fights. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. it was it was a consistency uh -huh. in, in who they are. Like Eddie, you know, even if you don't support the causes that he was pushing for, yeah. he was doing it from that an honest place yeah. mm -hmm. where he was trying to do good. So yeah, he was he was into a, he was very into uh, political activism. I think I think it was on SNL. Uh, he in the middle of one of their songs, they were playing on Saturday Night Live, and he took out a black sharpie during one of the um, yeah, yeah. during one of the guitar solos oh, and wrote, uh, wrote pro choice VH across his arm. Oh, it wasn't VH1 yeah. Storytellers. Yeah. I always had a dream that well, back when I was playing in, in the understudies, my old band, that one day we'd get to play VH1 Storytellers, and I would take out a marker and write pro life on my arm. <laughs> yeah, VH1 probably wouldn't show that, but I don't know. That's a that was yeah. that was a dream of mine. <laughs> 
So w- one last thing I want to talk about. I on would this put pro musician. Pro musician. Yeah, I point to myself because <laughs> I'm on that. I'm on that show. I made it. I made it. Here I am. Um, talking about authenticity, I think it can become an idol too. Becoming Be- authentic can be an idol. Trying too hard it's to be meta. authentic, like um, it's it's like why we make fun of hipsters, you know, when they're like, oh, I see, oh, like oh, you you. But like, I don't think they understand authenticity. I don't think they do either. And, That's but not I, authenticity. But That's I think like a- I think some people they're so uh, they they kind of become obsessed with this idol of authenticity of chasing a fake authenticity where they just want to seem authentic. Don't tell me that this younger generation has lost definition of words. Don't tell me that started to happen. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's because that's not authenticity. That's uh-huh. that's a style. That's like, yeah. I mean, that's quite. That's the opposite. Yeah. So like, doesn't mean you can't be stylish. Yeah. But I'm I'm doing this as if there's an audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, sir? <laughs> there is you an know audience, man. There's thousands of people know, listening right to us. We just can't hole. see them. <laughs> so, but I think I think for me, because this is a temptation for me too. The way I know that that's becoming an idol for me is when when other people start to like it, do I start to like it less? You know, like mm. I. I really, there's an author right now I really like named Brandon Sanderson, and he's just kind of like cresting into mainstream popularity. And so, like, if I start to like him less because other people like him now, and oh. I don't get to be cool because I found it before he was cool, then you're you inauthentic. Know, then you're inauthentic. Yeah, I'm just chasing this this fake authenticity of wanting to be the hipster who you know knew about it before it was cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. So. But I wouldn't be so hard on yourself because it's like, at a, mm-hmm. I mean, at, you you can you can feel that a little for a little mm-hmm. bit. Because uh, I think there is something that we have that's like, man, I'm, that's kind of cool that I found this. Yeah, right? it is. Like, it wow. is cool. But don't don't you know artists like that who are just like, man, oh, yeah. you know, I, I just got to I'm the real authentic artist because I'm not making any money. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, that, that that artist doesn't last. long. <laughs> All right. So another thing I love a lot about Pearl Jam is they have these ballads. And when I say ballad, I don't mean like a sapping love song. I mean, like in the classical version of the word a story and so many of their songs start off with just a description of a story um like daughter alone listless breakfast table in an otherwise empty room a lot of times he starts off just by kind of painting this tableau of 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 what's going on so i'm thinking of uh uh at home drawing pictures yeah. of mountaintops with him on top Lemon yellow sun, arms raised in a V. You know, like you can yeah. see everything. Um, I, I know like half of all these songs. I'm not yeah, a good yeah, enough yeah. guitarist to play all of them through, but I learned I like a bunch too, of the riffs. It's too early for me to try to hit those. Uh-huh. Daddy, you know, if that's Daddy didn't give attention, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my Great my my thing. listeners are used to me like trying to sing things out of my range oh, into yeah? their podcast years. So uh, to, you know, if they're still around after all this time, they're used to that from me. <laughs> but I I, I love uh, you know Jeremy is about this this boy who is like bullied. You know, clearly I remember picking on the boy and how he like flipped out at recess and like um hurt the recess lady and uh and then at the end of the song the boy commits suicide and this other song of uh, i'm still alive it's about his uh song she said have i got a little story for you about his mom telling him when he was a teenager that the guy he thought was his dad is actually a stepdad and his real dad died before he ever knew he existed and then um so there's there's so many of these these just stories of hardship that he just sings about, and I think they're they're really beautiful in that 
because we all have this human struggle, you know, of we all have the struggles that we've gone through. So I don't know, as, as a songwriter, what value does that, like writing a song about bad things that happened to other people or to yourself, like, why do we need songs like this? <laughs> well, I, I, I always think, um, because it's good to, for two reasons. Uh, I think it's good to know that you're not crazy. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, it's good to feel that, okay, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just to bring it back to faith, it, it's, it's, part of the human, it's part of the human experience. And so, like John Paul II says, even, even in, those, in those expressions of the darker things, it's still expressing God. That's paraphrasing from letter to artist. But, um, because I, need to, I need to reread letter to artists. It's oh, been a while. man, yeah. That, that, it's been a while. That, I, I, I always used to say my, my biggest, my Mount Rushmore for music influence was like Dylan, Lanois, Van Morrison, and John, John Paul II. Mm, just because nice. his writing has had just a permeated. Daniel Lanois? Yeah. He was like producer for you too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for a lot of people. But his, mm-hmm. his, his own work is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Waits is another one of mine. Gotcha. I love awesome. so. Yeah. So I'm thinking of how these stories of hardship, they're bi- very biblical. Like if you think of the kind of the seminal story for the Hebrew people in the Bible, it's the Exodus. Mm. And it's this time of slavery and then journeying through the desert for 40 years where they're totally reliant on God's providence and then the Babylonian exile. So it's the, the things that get the most attention are these times of great trial, these times of great challenge. And then the rest of the Old Testament largely is, hey, remember, remember when you were going through this? Mm-hmm. Remember what God did for you. Remember how he brought you through. And now it can help you in this time. And people throughout history have used that. Um, one of my favorite scripture passages from Sirach chapter two, and it says, my son, when you come to serve the Lord, expect trial, prepare your heart for trial. But then look to the ages past. Has anyone hoped in the Lord and been disappointed? Has anyone hoped in the Lord and not seen vindication? I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but Sirach chapter two. Are you uh, saying that we still might become huge rock stars at like 43 years old? <laughs> Maybe Is maybe that you will. I've kind of I've, I've pivoted to the podcast world, so probably truth? not for me. Is that my truth? That's your truth. That's my truth. It's gonna happen here. Right. You got it. Gonna... It's my put it on, put. Hey, put that on my vision board, <laughs> Jan, my secretary back there. So, um, and also I, I think just of my own life. Uh, well, and of course the the great story of of suffering in in the Bible is Jesus, yeah. you know, and the passion, and that's like the archetype. And, then I think in my own life of times of suffering and probably the first time I can remember this in my life, I was probably, you know, kindergarten through sixth grade, life was just happy. I was just a kid. And then in sixth grade, my dad lost his job the same time my oldest brother was going off to college. And so like my dad was in a bad place. My mom had to go to work. So my mom was gone a lot working. And then my oldest brother, who I just adored, was gone. My other brother was in high school. So he was, he was gone a lot just doing high school things. And I just remember it was the first time in my life. And not that my, my dad wasn't great or not that my parents weren't great, but it was just a hard time for the family. And I just remember we, you know, it was hard for a kid in sixth grade who weren't able to eat, as out, eat out as much. Like we just... We weren't able to go on vacations like we used to be able to go on. And, and that's when you're aware of everything. Yeah, that's when I was aware. And I was I was just aware that there was like, yeah. you know, my parents' marriage was was fine, but there was just there was there was stress, you know. And yeah. my mom was working more. She was working nights as a nurse. So I would like only get to see her in the morning before I went off to school. I'd like wake her up and say, 
you know, good morning, mom. I love you. And that was like the only time I saw her all day. And so it was like, it was just like the first time in my life. Um, but that was so instructive for me for the rest of my life because the reason my dad lost his job was because he didn't want to move the family across the country. Mm. And he was like, I'm not going to do that. You want me to move and I'm not going to. And they were like, well, okay, well, here's a little severance package and off you go. Yeah. And like, so it wasn't like he just got fired, but it's like he stood up for his family, you know, and, and not that he couldn't have, and not that other families in similar situations couldn't do that if they discerned that was the right thing to do. But that was such a lesson for me that like career isn't everything. Money isn't everything. Even like avoiding hardship isn't everything. Like it was worth it for us to go through this hard time and us not to have as much money and not to get to go on those vacations and to like not get to big and move into a bigger house. We were still all of us in this little townhouse and my mom to have to work like that was better because it kept the family together. It kept us by our friends. Like it kept us by my brother who was going to college nearby. Like, and that was, that's been so instructive for me in my life that it's not all about your career. It's not all about. How did your dad things. know to do that? Whew. I don't know. Dad, maybe we need to have a conversation about ask that. Him. <laughs> ask him for real. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's not here anymore. And, and there's a lot of questions like that. I, I kind of, mm. you know, but, um, but you know, it's like, could you imagine if, if, if they if they spent all the time putting ingredients together, put everything together to build this, you know, forge a sword, and then the moment it was tested, it broke. Ugh. Like, if you don't, you you, you need to test the material mm. in order to perfect it. Mm. Not that it ever will be perfect, but it needs to it needs to be strengthened. And, and say that say that again. Well, you need to. I'm just saying you you need these trials to 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 learn how to learn how to wear what we've been given, what we've been given. Wow. You know, we've been given all of these, these things to cope with um, our experiences on this earth. And we got to test them. We got to put them to the challenge because it fine tunes them. And if we mm. don't fine tune them, then we're, we're just going to be, um, what's that? Like Wally, that, you know, that blimp in the, the spaceship with all the people that just roll around. Uh -huh. Like we're, we're not, we Maybe need, to, need to do an episode on Wally. <laughs> we need to develop these, these, because that's what because it's for us. Mm -hmm. these, these trials are for us. And it's I love what you said about it needs to be tested because it gets fine tuned, because I yeah. think a lot of times when we think, oh, God's testing me or we see something in the Bible. Oh, Jesus went out to be tested by the devil. Like when I was like, why is God testing me? Like he knows, like, why does he need to test me? Like, isn't that just cruel? Like, why does but you know, why, why does he tell Abraham to take Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him? And the last moment he's like, just kidding. Just wanted to see if you would do it. You know, like that seems like a cruel God who would test you in that way. But I, I love what you said. Like the testing is not so that God can find out mm -hmm. the testing actually fine tunes the instrument Absolutely. and like it's good for the instrument. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Like if, if ever you ask, <laughs> why would God do this? Uh -huh. Just wait. You're going to find out. Wow. Mm. All right. I might, I, need, I might need you to remind me of that sometime. <laughs> I got a tattoo on my chest. Check this out. I'm <laughs> <laughs> You'll see it next time you go to his show and he's I naked. do this and it's like really small. Yeah. How do you do that? That's extensive. Too Very good. Um, there's, uh, you know, talking about some of these, these hardships, uh, there's a lot of songs that he has about, specifically about the hardships of women uh, at the hands of men. So uh, I'm thinking of... Waiting... Watching the clock, it's four o'clock, it's got to stop, tell me, 
Eat no more, she practices her speech as he opens the door. She rolls over, pretends to sleep as he looks her over. I can mumble the words because uh, it's Pearl Jam. Then it goes. She lies and says she's still in love with him. Can't find a better man. She dreams in colors, she dreams in red. Can't find a better man. Can't find a better man. Yeah. And then the end is like, she loves him. Oh, she don't want to feel this way. She needs him. Yeah. That's why she'll be back again. So I bring that song up, and Daughter, we started the show with, mm-hmm. are both examples of kind of Eddie being very sensitive to women who have been mistreated by men. And I love this because, you know, we talked a lot about the aesthetics of coming out of the 80s rock star with the, the hair bands into the grunge with Nirvana and, and Pearl Jam, how it seemed much more authentic. But another big part of the 80s hair bands was like degrading women, at you know? Girls, girls, girls. Yeah. The video was record, it was done at the strip club they went to all yeah. the time. I mean, that's, that's where it'd be, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, if you ever seen that Mark Wahlberg movie, Rockstar, like that was that was real life for those rock yeah. stars of the '80s, and then to have Eddie Vedder get on there and to sing a song about a woman who's a victim of domestic abuse with such passion, and or a, a, da- a daughter who is saying, you know, don't don't call me daughter, you know, like I was I've been mistreated by my by even my parents, like I feel like. It was such a switch. And, you know, as as much as we as Catholics and Christians would say, you know, his pro-choice advocacy was misguided. Like his songs have a real love for the dignity of women in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would say the dignity his songs were all about the dignity of of person because Mm -hmm. all most of his I'm not going to obviously I can't say every one of them, but Mm -hmm. majority of the songs that moves me that he was putting out there lyrically. Yeah were all songs that were saying it shouldn't be this way. Yeah. There's disorder. It's not this is not right. This is injustice. Mm-hmm. A lot alone or uh, alive Jeremy mm-hmm. uh, name of dissident like all of these yeah. songs are are just reflecting on this is not right. Let's raise the flag on it. Mm-hmm. So, in that here okay, so in the sea of that, yeah. um you know, look yeah, you're going to get some things that you don't agree with, but it's still coming from somebody that's really trying to plug in. Yeah. Know? I love I love dissident. It's like escape is never the safest bet. Yeah. The dissident is here. Like don't escape. That's not the safest bet. Like run. That's not the safest bet. You got to be a dissident. You got to yeah. like stand up and fight the man. You know. And I love too. So. Bono once said, I, "I I keep the high notes because they keep me honest. So like you can't <laughs> you can't bullshit the high notes." And I feel like dissident is a great example of. Like Joe Cocker used to always, he used to like stand, he would stand at a piano and to figure out the key, he would have him keep raising it until he just broke, <laughs> because that's the that's the honesty. He uh, because he can't BS that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I feel like Eddie dis, Eddie Vedder was what a subscriber to that mentality. Yeah, for sure. Vocally, mm-hmm. and I think Dissident is like one of the. There is no way to to perform that song without bleeding your vocal cords. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? It's a great tune. A great tune. Great team. Yeah. yeah. It's like Chris Cornell was a master at that oh, too. Chris Cornell. Gosh, like when he when he died, I just like we're gonna do a Soundgarden episode at some point. Yeah. I just, it's 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 gonna happen. But just like his voice and yeah, I, another, I loved Audio Slave too. Another one for me yeah. 
who I thought hit the nail on the head in that department was Lane Staley. I don't know uh, him. from um, uh, Allison Chains. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, when yeah. he opened up, uh-huh. you just felt you felt like the the texture of his vocal cords were like Ooh. slapping in the air. Ears. Yeah, he was just. Yeah. A beast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, do you have sisters? Uh, not biologically. Not biologically. Yeah. yeah, me me neither. I grew up in a very male society, like. Uh, society but like just culture like i had brothers i had mostly male cousins all my young guys when i was young were friends i had a female dog (laughs) there's a word for that (laughs) so when we uh when i it took it took me a while to like realize like oh women are different and like women like i need to relate to women in like a slightly different way like i can't just like make fun of them the way i make fun of my guy friends you Mm -hmm. know and it kind of rolls off their back you know not total you know guys can be sensitive too but um it took me like a while. And then as I got into eighth grade and middle school and high school and I started to be attracted to women, it was then, then it was like a, a totally different thing. Cause now there was this temptation to lust after women. And, um, so it took me a while to, to, to like figure out how to relate to women and to, I, it's been really good for me as an adult to have close female friendships to kind yeah. of figure out what, what is it like to have sisters and, and my, my sister-in-laws, um, both my brother's wives and my wife's sisters, mm-hmm. like developing closer to relationships with them has been like so good for my heart. Yeah. Just uh, in understanding women and it, it's helped me be a better man, a better husband, better father to my daughter and having a little girl, man, just, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, my I don't know what I grew up with three brothers and I would I've I've always been comfortable with both bros mm-hmm. but like I'm very comfortable with the ladies. I mean, <laughs> I mean that in the right way. I'm very <clears throat> But you know, I don't know. I've always, I don't. But I know what you're saying like it, yeah, you kind of but having a daughter, that was mm-hmm. where I saw it. Having two daughters, I was like, All right, I need to um I need to learn some different games. All right, lightning round here cuz we're running out of time. So this is one of my favorite songs that is, is given to fly. Mm-hmm. He could have tuned in, tuned in, but he tuned out a bad time and nothing could save him now. Again, I'm not that good at playing these songs yet. And then uh, uh, so this is a song all about surfing. And uh, sometimes I've seen a strange spot in the sky. Human being that was given to fly, fly, yeah. Whoa. So basically, this song is about this guy where he's having a bad time. He's just kind of like alone in a corridor. He's waiting. He's locked out, and then he gets out of there, runs for hundred of miles, makes it to the ocean. You know smokes a cigarette, and then he goes surfing. And then it deli- waves comes crashing, and it delivers him wings. And so just he finds this escape in surfing, and Eddie Vedder loved to, loved to surf. And so I'm just I'm wondering for you, like, what is when the world is just, like, crazy and you need to just kind of escape, Yeah. what's, what's your go-to? What the, what's your surfing? I love performing. Mm. I think performance is, is probably my thing. Um, but um, outside of that, you know, I I uh, I hate I hate exercising, but <laughs> I love um, 
I love using my myself. Yeah. You know, I, I do some martial arts now and nice. And I exercise despite hating it. And the feeling of just entering into that afterwards, the being a depleted, uh, really gives me kind of a euphoric feeling. Yeah, being depleted. Well, and it's I think that's th- that's too. very theology of the body. Yeah. Is oh, yeah, that yeah. like our bodies? Like a lot of times when we feel something in our souls, like it's our bodies can help us yeah. to release that. Like for me, I love working out. I work out every day, whether or not I need to pretty much just cause it just like, it sets me in the right yeah. place, you know? Um, and yeah, like I, a few years ago I had to stop running. I used to love running. I do half marathons and all sorts of things. And why not full marathons? Uh, Too long. I didn't love it that much. <laughs> it's just like it eats your weekend. It just eats your Saturdays <laughs> for like, months at a time so running does yeah running running before i got into running i never understood the amount of time you need yeah because it takes yeah time takes hours to run 20 some miles yeah Yeah. so uh, maybe eventually maybe eventually i would have done a marathon but um i started having problems with my feet and basically i had to stop running so now i had to like pivot so now i'm like much more into like weightlifting and that sort of thing and like i still miss i still miss running but yeah for me uh, and music too and uh and really uh, prayer also of course and a lot of times when I'm just having a rough day, I just need to go outside. Mm. I just need to go stand outside, whether it's raining, whether it's cold, whether it's super hot. I just need to get outside and like feel God's creation and breathe for a few seconds, pray for a minute. And that does so much good for me. And if I work out and like take a shower, like just something like so often that can set me. And again, with the spirit of prayer, like that just kind of sets me right, you know? This is completely random. Mm-hmm. The thought I just had, but I'm going to say it. Are you a John Prine fan at all? Uh, I know some of this stuff. Some I'm not a huge stuff. fan. Yeah. He was a male, he was a postman yeah. before he got, before his music took off. Mm-hmm. So he was later in the years. And, mm-hmm. and I just realized like his music sounds like the type of guy, does his music sound like songs you could sing to yourself? When you're delivering mail, <laughs> there is a connection to that. So I think, yeah, I think there's uh-huh. a connection to our, yeah. How what are what are his famous songs? Oh gosh, uh, "Despite right. of Ourselves" is a is a big one. Okay, um, he's got a lot, but he's 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 mm-hmm. a songwriter songwriter. Mm-hmm. All right, last question I wanted to ask you about was uh, related to the song "Black." So uh, sheets of empty canvas, untouched by sheets of clay. laid out before me as everybody was dead. And the chorus is cool because it goes from E major to E minor. Oh, and all I thought I was everything. Oh, spinning. Oh, spinning. How it goes Drop away. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's all about heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's that's a window in our marriage. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the, my my favorite line is the um, I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star mm. in somebody else's sky. Why? Why? Why can it be? Yeah. <laughs> like I one day I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. Why can't it be mine? Mm-hmm. And it's just this guttural, just like yell at the end of the song. Um, it's like peak Eddie Better. I feel like 
<laughs> and uh, so, uh, have you ever had your heart broken? Uh, yes. Okay. How do you how do you deal with that? Because I'm sure we have some listeners right now that are dealing with some heartbreak, either from or some some relationship, whether it's romantic or whatever. So, give us give us your uh, wizened experience. What do you do with a broken heart, Mike? Yeah, spin it into songs. <laughs> is what you do. What do you do with a broken heart? Listen to it. Mm. I would uh, listen to it and uh, tend to it, and give it give it what it needs. What does a broken heart need? It depends on the person. Mm. I would think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, uh, you know a concoction or remedy that's can is is not really there. It's it's something that you'd have to kind of listen and find out mm -hmm. for yourself because. You know, if you're feeling broken, it's because you're hurt because something's missing. And yeah. if something's missing, it's because it wasn't there before that person was there. Mm. And, um, you know, maybe maybe you need to um, develop something or maybe you need to reflect on something that that person was that you shouldn't have in your life. You know, yeah. like <clears throat> just give it time, give it time. But yeah, I, I, I had a I had a relationship that lasted <coughs> for a long time that just ended abruptly. Mm hmm. And um, okay, to kind of tie it together with when you ask why, mm -hmm. just wait. We dated dated for seven years. We dated from like junior high until junior college. Wow. And I was in my mind, I saw the future was this, mm -hmm. and um, and hers when she went, we went to separate colleges because we wanted to test it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, in hers, she started you know get fading a little bit, and eventually she cut it off. Mm. Heartbroken. Yeah. Heartbroken. Wow. Or as my roommates in college said, it was there was the most fun Mike Mangione's ever been in his life. Because I just didn't care. I was just that guy. And um she eventually got started dating this dude. And um That's why you picked up martial arts. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> but then two months later, I found this girl. Mm. I, she was lost in a bush. And I found no, I found <laughs> I, I met this girl and um we started dating and all of a sudden I started seeing things in her that that were that were filling places myself that weren't there before, mm -hmm. particularly my faith. Yeah, wow. You know? uh, and um, my my uh, ex girlfriend eventually got married to mm -hmm. that guy, same mm -hmm. guy. I got married to that girl. We've been married seventeen years. So, mm -hmm. you know, just wait. Yeah. There's a there's a whole you know hindsight's twenty twenty. Providence is proven through the past. Right? Providence is proven through the past. I like that. Yeah. Get that tattooed. Tweet, just, tweet that. That's, like, can I put a copyright on that? Hashtag Providence. You better do it quick. Copyright might be done. <laughs> so, well, and that's straight out of the song. I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. So uh, I, I think a, a few things that you said really resonate with me as you you kind of said jokingly, write songs yeah. about, your, about your broken heart, but find some way to articulate it. Like, because by articulating things, we know God made us beings of language for a reason. And this is why I was a teacher and well, you know, teachers, they make you write papers, not just because they want to grade them all. Definitely we don't, but like the act of writing actually organizes your brain. Mm. It actually helps you understand things to write about it and to speak about it. And that's true for our hearts, like understanding the relationship. That's, that's why so much of therapy is is talking honestly because it it helps you when you put words to stuff it helps you make sense of it it actually helps you kind of digest all these feelings you have and so maybe you're not a songwriter you could write poetry you could paint you could <laughs> journal you know and and all of that can be prayer you know go to go to the chapel go to a, a 
um, you know, sing some worship songs, go out in the woods and, and just like express it, express what's on your heart. Like you need to grieve that. But I also loved what you said. You got to listen to it, right? Yeah. There's, there's a speaking and a listening. And what are you describing? You're describing prayer, right? Yeah. There's a speaking and there's a listening. And a lot of times we can focus so much on one that we don't do the other. Can so, I, can I, one more yeah, thing? Go ahead. Don't, don't do it on your, don't do it on your device. Ooh, why not? I just think that, I mean, I have a really cool prayer app, Mike. No, no, that's, I, I use, I use the awakened prayer app, by the way. Nice. I told Nick that I, 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 I love it. Great. Um, but, um, but make sure you're also, because I make sure you're also spending that time where the page is blank. Oh, right. Uh So you can see just if it, you know, just kind of let you want, you want the color to, to, when it starts changing, you want to notice Yeah. and Mm -hmm. encourage it because that's when you start seeing things and, and I, I personally get distracted if I'm always on my phone. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think that's that's so important. Um, you know, sometimes you hear people talk about like a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Or you Why know, did you add a Southern <laughs> accent? Because it's, like it's like a Baptist sort of thing to do, yeah, yeah. you know, um, to talk about. But it, it can sound kind of like this new age hippy dippy thing. Oh, you speak to Jesus as your friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. You know, but really, if you look at the saints, that like that's the band. Sunseed? Yes, the band. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. But I'm the, always looking at here, but that's not the camera. That's not the camera. Dang, the it. camera's everywhere. You, you can look slide. anywhere you want. The camera's everywhere. Um, right. Everywhere you look, it's mics and cameras. <laughs> mics and cameras. What I was gonna say, Mike, was what was I gonna say? I was gonna say that. What was I going to say? I Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that that method of speaking to Jesus as one friend speaks to another, St. Ignatius, St. Teresa of Avila, who your daughter and my daughter are named after. Exactly. Like These are juggernauts of mysticism. This is how they related to God, mm. you know? And speaking to to God one on one as a friend, and it's 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 in the Gospels too. You know what does Jesus teach us in the Lord's Prayer? He says, "This is how you are to pray." It's he starts off by praising God, and then you lay your heart before God under His will. You know, Thy will be done. But then you lay your needs before Him and say, "Lord, give give us this day that our daily bread." And then forgiveness of sins. I often say it's praise, petition, contrition. Is it's just speaking to God as you would a friend, like. Thank you, God. I love you. You know, what do you do when you see a friend you haven't seen in a while? Oh, it's so good to see you. I love you. You know, and then you ask them questions like, how have you been? You know, and then. And um, sorry, I haven't called. Yeah, sorry, I haven't called. Yeah. And you're done. And you so leave. And it's, you it's very much, it goes all the way back to Jesus. And many saints have drawn close to the Lord this way. And it's how we draw close to the Lord is this sort of speaking to God as a friend. And especially in those times of heartbreak where we feel that emptiness because there has been a failing or a hurt in a human relationship like throw yourself on the feet of Jesus. Like it's a great time to kind of renew yeah. <laughs> your dependence on the Lord. So, um, that's true. So Mike, I want to thank you for just your love of Pearl Jam and your yeah. love of music and just for being the artist that you are. Um, I want to, if there's, I, I told my listeners that at the beginning we would leave them with some gospel takeaways, some ways that they can live the gospel today from anything in our conversation. What's, what's your takeaway from this conversation? What's my takeaway from this conversation? Um, and I can go first if you want. Well, I—I I mean, the, I always like to shoot right, right from right what hits me. And and the first thing that I'm taking away is that I've just stopped. I I really need to go back to my old collection because <laughs> as we're talking about this, we're just opening up these old rooms that I used to just live in. Mm-hmm. 
and and I'm really desiring to go back to them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's a fruitful spiritual exercise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, because that's yeah. going to reveal. Okay, on the on the back of the whole prayer conversation we just had, I'm going to do that with the ears of listening to what God wants to show me mm-hmm. about myself mm. through that music and how yeah. I interpret it now. Yeah, like I know that I'm going to go back to it, and the last time I heard it was probably 20 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever. And God's going to re- remind me of how I felt and what I fed from it, like what I took from it, and reveal things about me now so yeah. that I can, can see the contrast and difference. And that's where growth happens. So that's what I'm going to do. All right. That's my take. That's on. great. Listeners, so great if, if there is a, a band or an artist Dang. for you that was like <laughs> the first artist, that re- the first music that really set your heart on fire, the first music that really set your heart on fire, you know, take that to prayer, find the wheat in it, and see what it tells you about yourself yeah. then. And now I think for me, just that idea of – authenticity and communion requires us to be naked and it's not my job to make other people like me. It's my job to be myself and reveal myself. And hopefully that creates a safe place for other people to be their authentic selves, um, by the grace of God. So Mike, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? My house. (laughs) All right. We'll put his address in the show notes. My house. Uh, but if you don't have gas money, I would uh, find me online. I have a website that is MikeMangione.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Pretty good at Instagram. Mangione Music. Uh, Twitter. Not too good at that, but that's my name, Mike Mangione. All right. I am pretty good at uh, YouTubes. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Plural. Many of them. Uh, I've been posting videos, some great videos there. That's That's just Mike Mangione. Yeah. Uh, Spotify. All the Spotify, blah, 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 blah. All those things that don't pay me any money. Uh I'm there. (laughs) My name's up. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. And if somebody's never listened to Pearl Jam before, where should they start? I would start with 10. 10, it's the first album. You gotta start with 10. It's so good. Yeah, the production's a little bit, little bit, uh, tags it a little bit, dates mm-hmm. it a little bit, but um, authenticity is there. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really just good. Beat it to yeah. death. And <laughs> y- you know my picks because I sang them all. Yeah, so, I love your picks. Um, I often ask my guests if they would close us in prayer. Would you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah. Awesome. And listeners. No, I would mind. <laughs> well, then I'll do it. But listeners, no, no, do it. listeners, wherever you are, let's take a moment to pause and to pray. My Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord, we come before you. We put ourselves before you. We give thanks for this gift of time, the gift of being able to spend time with somebody and listen and receive their thoughts and interpret their thoughts and understand them a little bit better and 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 love and respect them by giving back so thank you for this gift of conversation we ask that um, all of us that have watched or listened in our own way at some point today can find a moment to do the same take a moment to reflect to listen to not just those around them but uh, to listen to god and to see god in the things in the desires in their hearts and the old things that they used to like and the growth that they've now experienced to see god in the conversations that they have and to see God maybe in those that challenge them, the ones that have maybe more weeds than wheat than from their perspective. We ask that we're able to see the wheat, we're able to tease the wheat, we're able to water the wheat so that we can see the dignity and see your fingerprint on each individual that we encounter. We place all of this in the womb of Our Lady. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
Mike, it's been so good yeah. to talk with you. I'm excited for your concert tonight. We're oh, going to get, about that. yeah, I think I'm opening for you. Are you? <laughs> I think I am. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. And I'll actually, so I'm going to play a, a small set before you and, and patrons, if you're a patron of the show, you'll get to see that. So we'll record it and you'll get to see my set. So, um, thank you listeners. If this episode has touched you, if there's something that's set your heart on fire here, I really encourage you to share this with somebody that you think would benefit from this conversation. Maybe they're a Pearl Jam fan or maybe just something we talked about that you're like, ah, this person needs to hear this message send it to them text it to them uh, send them a screenshot like that is how this show grows is by i ask you to do that every episode and so many of you have done that and uh, i've heard from people that's how they found out about it so thank you so much i want to tell you about popculturecatechism.com that's where you can support this show by becoming a patron there are six levels of giving and that's how everything you see here is possible is through the uh, patrons that support the different shows and i'm so thankful for my patrons who give on a monthly basis according to whatever their budget is or their monthly tithe and then they also get exclusive content, all the talks I give in my speaking ministry and little extras we do after each episode. All of that is available through the Awakened Catholic app, which is getting a huge update and will be, um, should by the time this episode comes out, you should have the, the new fangled, sparkly clean app. And uh, that is for everyone. It's not just for patrons. The Awakened Catholic app is, is free and there's lots of, there's prayer library as uh, Mike was talking about. I think your music's on there. There's lots of good, so, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of good Christian artists on there as well. There's prayer in Latin and Spanish and English and also it's a hub for all our shows and there's good Catholic Christian community on there as well and then of course if you're a patron you have access to all the patron exclusive content as well. I want to give a shout out to my patrons but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Tom and Emily Camberiotti, uh, Bob and Lisa Tenney, Stephen Maggie Hubbard, Darlene and Jay McCaffrey and for all of our patrons who support this show thank you so much. Listeners we love you. Jesus loves you more. We will see you next time.